Welcome to Finally Fearless, a podcast devoted to uncovering everything you never knew you needed to know when it comes down to your health and wellness. My name is Dr. Melissa Chofi, a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health. After working in traditional healthcare for four years, I grew disenchanted with the gimmicks and the garbage, scare tactics and scarcity mindset, and all the things that were being pushed on people to make them fear their bodies instead of actually using them to live the lives that they so deserve. This podcast will give you all the tools to demand a life worth living instead of sitting your best days out on the sidelines. We get really raw around here, so grab your headphones and let's jump right into today's episode. I try to throw this sentiment in every now and then on podcast episodes. So I guess they kind of it kind of gets buried deep in another topic that we're talking about related to the pelvic floor. And I don't think it's very apparent to a lot of people. So it deserves its own entire podcast episode. And what we're talking about today is do you need to think about your pelvic floor and your pelvic floor strength and mobility, flexibility? If you are not, quote, older, whatever that means, right? Because that's super relative. Or whether or not you ever want to get pregnant, whether or not you've ever been pregnant, whether or not you've ever given birth. We have this, even the medical community has this idea that pelvic health, pelvic floor conditioning, worrying about your pelvic floor, exercising your pelvic floor, it's a either an something that you have to do when you get older because incidence of um, leaking, prolapse, and all that stuff, we know that increases with age, right? For a multitude of reasons. And then the second one being like, once you have a baby, you have to worry about your pelvic floor. But we never talk about the people who neither of those cases apply. And as a pelvic health practitioner, I see a lot of people years after their symptoms started where those two conditions still don't apply but these people feel so broken and so lost that they think they feel silly contacting me for help because they don't think that they think that they're alone in this because they've been taught so throughout their whole lives that these are issues that they're too young for or They don't have the appropriate life experiences to experience. And actually, in my experience, I kind of, I have a very good way of digging out like past medical history from people who have, I don't want to say suppressed it, like it's not voluntary, but they just forget about it. And they're coming to me postpartum or they're coming to me after a big life event or they feel like they're at the age where it's appropriate to ask for help regarding their pelvic floor. And we do some digging and sometimes this takes a few sessions, but they'll be like, oh yeah, like when I was younger, this did happen or I did experience this or this was a problem for a while and it kind of went away. So a lot of times there are pelvic floor issues that are going on behind the scenes that are just not very well detected or they're ignored or they've been dismissed as no big deal like you don't fit into those two categories so you know live with it or deal with it go buy some 
poise from the store and whatever. And knowledge is power, right? So we have to, I really want to get the word out there that pelvic floor conditioning, pelvic health issues, pelvic floor issues, working your pelvic floor. It's like every other muscle group on your body. You don't need to wait for this exacerbating life event for it to happen. So you don't need to even, like, even if you're 21 and you have no desire to get pregnant, the pelvic floor is something you should absolutely be thinking about. So that's what we're talking about today. I want to normalize pelvic floor conditioning because we can all use it regardless of what your genitalia is. We all have a pelvic floor if you're peeing, pooping, or farting. And that's what we're getting into today. So of course, because it's podcast recording day, there is yard work going on outside. So if you hear some rustling about, that's what that is. I apologize in advance if that happens. Uh, we, But, you know, we got work to do over here. So that's the deal. Before we dive into anything specific, we're going to do a really quick Cliffsnose version of what the pelvic floor is. So your pelvic floor essentially is a group of muscles that live in your pelvis and everybody who has a pelvis and who like I said before pees poops or farts has a pelvic floor regardless of what your genitalia is so a lot of people liken pelvic floor issues to quote a woman's problem or it's just another fallback of having a vagina and that's just not true men also have a pelvic floor people with penises also have pelvic floor dysfunction and pelvic floor issues they're just not talked about. And I don't know why that is, but here we are. So again, the more you know, right? So this supportive bowl of musculature houses, and I'm going to speak in um, people who have vaginas, that this is where I'm trained. This is what going to be the center of the podcast episode. So when I talk anatomically, that's what I'm speaking. That's the group towards whom I'm speaking. Okay. So your pelvic floor helps to support organs like your bladder, like your rectum. Your rectum is what fills with poop and then holds it before you're ready to release the poop. And then also your uterus if you have one. So when you get pregnant, your baby grows inside your uterus, right? Unlike some idiot politicians who believe that a baby grows in your literal stomach. That is not the where the baby grows. It grows in your uterus. So as your uterus grows with the baby, or I should say expands with the baby, your pelvic floor needs to support that as the baby is growing inside of there. So this, you could see from that, like if you can visualize that, that might be One of the reasons why pelvic floor health is so attributed to postpartum people because they went through that growing period. So their pelvic floor was working overtime. It needed to have a good amount of flexibility to allow that growth, but also a good amount of strength and endurance to support the uterus as it got bigger and heavier. Okay. So, um, that's that's probably why we associate pelvic floor dysfunction with postpartum people, but it doesn't always have to be that way. So I'm getting ahead of myself, but the pelvic floor, in addition to being supportive, it's also very active or I should say very involved with sexual health. So orgasm, all of that stuff. Um... And I'm like, wait, I'm going through the S's, support, sexual, (laughs) stability. So your pelvic floor works very closely with your 
core muscles, your abs, to help gain stability for your body. And um, being that it's at the literal core of you, so think about where your pelvis is. It's like right in the middle, right? We have to remember that body parts affect what live above and below them and vice versa. And being that your pelvic floor is at the literal center of you, it works in conjunction with your other core muscles. So your diaphragm, which is the muscle for breathing, your back muscles, which keep you upright and give you upright posture, your ab muscles, which help give you stability and also contribute to posture and your pelvic floor. Those four groups are all deep core musculature. So if you, it's very like, I keep it very subtle, but you might hear me decipher things by saying deep abs instead of core. When I talk about core personally, I'm talking about all of those four elements. So your back muscles, your pelvic floor, your abs, well, your deep abs, and your diaphragm. When I say core, I'm referring to all of those. And I put deep abs as a portion of the core, if that makes sense. So um, if you ever hear me say that, that's why I say it that way. Because I feel like saying core is not... People just think abdominals and they neglect to rule in those three other muscles, which are super important in function and exercise and performance and I want to normalize this. I want to normalize this discussion because all four things need to work very well together so that one piece of the puzzle is not taking up the majority of that group project. We want everyone doing the parts that they're supposed to be doing because if you don't remember group projects in high school or college, they were fucking awful and I hated them and I hope I never have to do one in my life ever again unless I get to pick my group. In addition to these four groups of muscles needing to work very well together, we also have this compounded effect of your lower back, so your your vertebrae and your hip joint articulating, for the most part, with uh, your pelvis. And this is why like hip problems or hip tightness, hip weakness, lower back tightness, lower back weakness, lower back issues a lot of times the pelvic floor is involved and vice versa. So we have to look at that entire structure. The pelvic floor, and I say this very often, your pelvic floor, despite what you've probably been led to believe, does not work in a bubble. It's not, it doesn't work on its own. Like It has so many things that it reacts to. So when you go to use, say, even like when you're standing on tiptoes reaching for your arm, with your arm, for a, at a high shelf. Your pelvic floor is working to help stabilize everything as you do that. You're probably altering your breath pattern somehow. Your pelvic floor reacts to that. Your abs might be sucked in. Your butt might be clenched. Your pelvic floor reacts to that. So it's unlike any group, other group of muscle in that it's very reactionary to what happens with the rest of your body. But it is like every other group of muscle in that we can help work it, condition it to gain more strength, to gain better endurance, to gain better flexibility and mobility. So um, the pelvic floor is awesome. Like I find it so, so fascinating. And the more I learn about it, the more fascinated I am and the more grateful I am that I get to do what I do every day. It's fucking amazing. Um, So 
That was the super Cliff's Notes version of what the pelvic floor is. And it's hard to describe when I don't have a model for you to look at in front of you. But I hope you can kind of like picture what that is like. And if you have any questions about how like the lower back and your um, hips and everything play into it, next week's episode is actually going to be talking about why and what I do on a pelvic floor exam. So um, evaluation and treatment and what that kind of looks like. So you can really see the full picture of why all of this is so important and we don't just zero in on the pelvic floor itself. So we've been led to believe, how do you work your pelvic floor, right? Like give me an exercise for your pelvic floor or to get you to stop leaking. And I can guarantee you most people will say Kegels. And that's just not, it's not a full picture. It's not a complete answer. Like, remember, I'm I'm like going back to back in the day, school days. Remember when I used to get in trouble for this all the time, when you wouldn't restate the question in your answer and then your teacher would write in big red letters, like, this is not a complete answer. Kegels are not the complete answer. We don't actually know if you need them just because you're leaking. Like, that's not telling me why you're leaking. I didn't examine you. I didn't evaluate your your muscle performance. What if your pelvic floor doesn't know how to relax? Like we're not going to throw kegels at it. And where was I going with this? Oh, your pelvic floor doesn't work in a bubble. That's where I was going. So again, like when you're pregnant and when you're when you've given birth, like it's obvious because your pelvic floor itself went through a lot of changes with um the hormones in your body, with the baby growing, with delivering that baby, all of those aspects are directly directly related to the pelvic floor. But we have to think outside of that box in order to get the complete answer. So when we're living life and we're not pregnant, we're not even thinking about getting pregnant, we're not giving birth, we've never given birth before, we're relatively young. When I say that, I'm just, I'm sorry if any of you are over 65. We're just going to give the 65 retirement age cutoff. You're under 65. We're going to claim that's young. And like, You've been using your body for those 65 years, regardless of whether you've housed a baby or not, right? And just like compensations can happen. So let's take a relatively familiar compensation. So a lot of people will wear orthotics in their shoes to give them some arch support. And I hear a lot of times like, oh, I pronated and it really like translated to my knee and then my knee started bothering me. That's a compensation, a more familiar compensation that we see. And again, like it just reinforces the idea that body parts affect parts that live above and below them. So you wear an orthotic in your shoe for your foot if you're not wearing one and you do pronate. So pronate is kind of like you're turning your foot inward um, and most of the weight is on the instep of your foot. So like the inside of your foot instead of evenly distributed. And then that could potentially cause issues up. We call it the kinetic chain. So your knee is one of the spots that it could translate to. And then your knee could be performing in a wonky way because there's compensation at your foot. So that's very normalized for us, right? Like we're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like that's why I wore my my orthotic because my knee was killing me or my ankle was killing me because your ankle also lives above your foot. 
Why are we not thinking the same way about the pelvic floor? Now that you know how, well, relatively, you know, like the simple term, or I should say the Cliff's Notes, the abridged version of how the pelvic floor works. Now we know how the pelvic floor works and how reactionary it is with how we're using things outside of the pelvic floor. Why do we still put this microscopic lens on the pelvic floor and zero in on just the pelvic floor and be like, you're having pain, go do a bunch of Kegels. You can't have sex comfortably, go do a bunch of Kegels. Why? Why is that even a thing? Like, we know better. This is 2022. Why are we not talking about muscles in the pelvic floor like we would a foot or like we would a knee because essentially like it's the same but it's more right so that's how I want you to think about this entire topic moving forward so that being said if compensations are occurring with your pelvic floor you learn those compensations over time throughout those first 65 years of your quote young life you, your body is very smart. It learns how to adapt to a comfortable position, function, performance level, whatever. And then you learn that and then you kind of carry that out with you. And it's very hard to break because you either are not aware that it's happening or somebody didn't help you come out of that and coach you out of that to get more efficient in your performance. So you kind of just like coast through and you're like, this is how it's always been. This is how it's going to be. And this is where and when we can see things like pelvic floor dysfunction, like pelvic floor issues happen in quote young people or people who have never been pregnant, never even thought about being pregnant, never had a baby, wasn't even a blip on their radar. I want to illustrate this by going through, it's kind of a case study so that you can see how pelvic floor issues might creep into life if you're in your 20s and you've never been pregnant, you've never given birth, it's not even like on your radar right now. And I'm not going to give away any of her qualifying information, but I was working with a client who was pretty young. She was in her mid-20s and she was coming to me with urgency and leaking. So urgency basically means like you feel like you have to pee all the time. It could have leaking accompanied by it or it might not. She had both and all of her lab tests were negative. So there was no infection anywhere. She was quote normal on her labs and she was kind of like what the fuck is happening? I'm at my wit's end. And she reached out to me through TikTok of all places. So <laughs> um, so we, I looked at everything. Like she had a total body exam. I looked at the strength of everything, including her pelvic floor. I also wanted to know how well her pelvic floor relaxed because a lot of times, and this is a blanket generalization, this is not for everybody, but a lot of times people who have some kind of urgency, so they have to run to the bathroom or else they're going to pee themselves, or they feel this intense urge to pee, and when they go to the bathroom, only a few drops come out. A lot of the people who have those issues have a pelvic floor that's not the best at relaxing. So I wanted to see how well her pelvic floor relaxed. 
And it came out that her pelvic floor was not the best at relaxing. So Kegels, she had been given Kegels from a previous pelvic floor therapist. And she was working with this person for six months and nothing changed. And the Kegels actually made her worse. So that's a whole topic for another day because it makes me rage. But um, this, in her case, because she couldn't, re- her pelvic floor didn't know how to let go. It didn't know how to relax. We needed to calm it down. It was doing too much of the group project. So remember those four structures. We looked at her breathing pattern. So her diaphragm was not working the most efficiently because she wasn't getting breath into her abdomen, which helps relax pelvic floor. So that was one of the core muscles that we looked at that could use a little TLC. Her deep abdominals were not the strongest. So another thing, when those are not strong, your pelvic floor might feel like it needs to take up the slack and it can never take a break and then it gets tight. So we needed to also work on her deep abdominal strength. Um, Her hip strength was not the best. So we also needed to work on hip strength. So we were working on a lot of things in addition to her pelvic floor needing to relax a little bit. So her body learned over time because she was super flexible. Um, Her body learned over time that in order to combat that flexibility, her pelvic floor needed to work overtime to gain some stability because she was so mobile, like she could move very, very well. And um, a lot of times with this comes, you know, other areas tending to get weak and tight and the pelvic floor is doing way too much work and we kind of need to like evenly distribute all of those. So that's an example of somebody who doesn't fit the quote medical mold for needing pelvic floor physical therapy because they're not of a certain age and they didn't have a certain life experience. And when she initially came to me, she was very, I don't want to say intimidated, but she was. And she also felt like she was kind of a freak because she's like, everybody's telling me that this is not normal, which side note, this is never normal, even if you are over 65. And even if you've given birth, like leaking is never normal. Urgency is never normal. It's common. It's just not normal. But she's like, I feel like a freak because people are telling me this is weird and it never happens to people this young and blah, blah, blah. And we had a talk that a lot of toileting habits happen even in little kids because little kids pee, poop, and fart, right? So they have a pelvic floor. Did you know that there's an entire specialty, pediatric pelvic floor, physical, and occupational therapy? Did you know that? So they help with like constipation, so chronic constipation. They help with toileting habits. If there's bedwetting problems, like they help with all of that because that's how young pelvic floor dysfunction can show up. And a lot of people who have pelvic floors that are not the best at relaxing, they'll remember like all these memories will come up like, oh, well, my mom used to teach me that I had to hold it and I couldn't go during certain times of the day or they're a healthcare worker or a teacher. So they couldn't go for certain times of the day at certain times of the day because they didn't have time. So they held it for long periods of time. Or like my mom always taught me to go just in case every time I leave the house and that actually attributes to pelvic floor issues down the line. 
So all of these habits that we learn pretty early on and all these ways that our body learned to adapt that could potentially show up as compensations, these can trigger something going awry with the pelvic floor. But I don't want you to think about it as solely a pelvic floor issue either because if you've ever had an injury to your back and it never felt the same, if you've ever fallen on your butt, it never felt the same. If you've ever had a hip injury, it never felt the same. There could be a pelvic floor component because again, remember in the very beginning when I went over the anatomy of everything, where your pelvic floor sits, it's between your low back, your tailbone, and your hips. And your SI joint is included in there and everything. So if this sounds like something that you've experienced or when you were younger, something happened and like things just didn't feel the same, it might not come out as something as apparent like I'm leaking or what else? Um, What's another pelvic floor? Pelvic floor issue. Or I have a prolapse or I'm constipated. It could resonate as a back pain or hip pain or a hip that feels tight all the time because your pelvic floor is involved in that conversation. So if any of those aspects fit your life and your experience, you might actually be a great candidate for pelvic floor rehab. Again, like this is just not spoken about in the conventional fitness or medical world, which I don't like the, again, the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, I don't understand how we've, we're still stuck here when this is like been, this field has been growing for the past 40 years and we're still stuck in the dark ages. Nobody talks about it. Nobody knows about it. And that's why I wanted to release this podcast episode because if you do suspect there might be something going on with your pelvic floor and you're young and you have never had kids and you've never been pregnant and even if you don't have like quote downright pelvic floor focused issues, if you do have that chronic back pain that I was talking about and it doesn't seem to be relieved or the hip stuff that's going on, it doesn't not like nothing relieves it and you've never thought about pelvic floor involvement, this might be something worth exploring for you or even to start getting your wheels turning about like, huh, Because another thing that pops up is that people suppress things that are uncomfortable. And I don't think I need to tell you that peeing your pants or not being able to poop or leaking poop or not being able to enjoy sex, like those are not things that you probably want to think about, right? Like if it was happening to me, I wouldn't want to think about it either. But when we start talking about these things and drawing them to the forefront, then it might get your wheels turning to where you're like, oh yeah, I guess that sex is not the most enjoyable for me and I need to have a glass of wine or I need to smoke before I do the deed because it's the only thing that relaxes me. And your labs and your testing and everything come out, quote, normal and there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to relax, like which is the shittiest piece of advice, also infuriating to me. But it's the shittiest piece of advice I think people are given. Here's a dilator. Go shove it in. Like, okay, not helpful. But maybe you do have a pelvic floor that's on the tighter side that can use a little, you know, 
relaxation and learning how to not store so much energy in the pelvic floor. Maybe you could use a little redistribution of work tasks between the other muscles of your deep core, your hips, your lower back, and your pelvic floor. You know what I mean? So I want you to start thinking about what that means for you if this resonated with you. Like what can you take away from this to start thinking about like, hey, Maybe I do have some pelvic floor things that are creeping up behind the scenes or that I ignored because I was told like my tests were all normal. My lab work was all normal. I'm too young for anything to be happening. Now is probably a good time to start thinking about those things and bringing them to the forefront because one of the unfortunate things about American medical, the American medical system is our doctors are so strapped for time and they're burnt out and we really need to advocate for ourselves and I really encourage that but it's very difficult to do when you don't have the education behind what you're really advocating for right like it's very scary you need to do it's actually really it feels really daunting because you're going through this and not only are you experiencing what you're experiencing with your health, but then you have to add on the added pressure of going to like research your issue and that just, that just sucks. So, um, I know what it's like. It really, it fucking blows, but unfortunately this is the hand we're dealt and until things get better systemically, this is kind of where we're at and we can gripe about it but we can also be proactive about it when it comes to our own bodies and our own health so I hope this was helpful I hope if you're listening to this and you don't fall into those two quote pelvic floor candidate categories I hope that this made you feel a little bit more less alone and a little more supported if you ever contact I'm going to say me because I'm speaking for myself. I don't like speaking for other people, but I'm pretty sure that if you contacted any pelvic floor specialist, just to chat and be like, hey, can I run this by you? Do you think I'd be a good person to work with? Nobody is going to think you're a freak or that there's something wrong with you. I guarantee that we have seen someone who has like even... Who's even younger than you? <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. Who's even younger at you than you, who has not experienced as much in life as you have. I actually had a client who was 13 years old and she was experiencing pelvic floor issues. So this actually reminds me, this is, this is why I should write notes for myself and I never do. But it reminds me to speak on this point that especially if you were Um, And this is not to say everybody who did gymnastics or jumping sport or specialized in a sport early are going to get pelvic floor issues. But if you did do one of those more high impact sports and or you specialized in a sport pretty early and you carried on with that, we can actually see, I feel like gymnasts and dancers are the main like categories of sport that I see people for or not for but like who have had a history of gymnastics or dance or something and they're like they're very stuck in their habits from those days or they never conditioned their pelvic floor when they were participating in those sports back 
back in those days and early um not detection but like early work early exercise early conditioning that's what i meant to say early conditioning for pelvic floor and even like your entire body and coordination in those earlier years like teenage years is something that i feel personally is missing from a lot of these things because when you're doing higher impact sports your pelvic floor needs to be very um resilient and very supportive but also very flexible in supporting the bladder because every time you jump and land jump and land your bladder is what they call even though i hate this word unstable so it's kind of like bouncing up and down for lack of a better visual um it's not actually bouncing up and down all rolling around in your pelvis but it bounces up and down and your pelvic floor needs to have good flexibility to catch that and to support that but also good strength and endurance to support it as well so um, this is how things that we did when we were younger can actually creep up later in life. Or sometimes there could be stuff like leaking and pelvic pressure and stuff when we are younger. It doesn't happen at the same age for everyone. It doesn't happen at the same time for everyone. But those are things to start thinking about in the back of your brain as to what could potentially Again, not everybody is the same. This is not like a crystal ball where I can give a prognosis for everyone who did gymnastics when they were 13, but it could potentially lead to um, pelvic floor happenings down the line. And I say dancers too, because I, at least in my experience, there's a lot of compensations that I see with dancers so sucking it in a lot squeezing your butt trying to be in your best posture all the time that could actually potentially cause some pelvic floor issues down the line because a lot of my dancers never come out of those positions and those habits well after they've stopped dancing and those are some pretty difficult habits that we break diaphragmatic breathing is another one so a lot of them will breathe predominantly with their chest and we kind of have to even things out and that being said it's never too late to start working on these things so I don't want you to think like oh my god I danced 30 years ago this is just a terrible prognosis for me there's no help I'm beyond fixing that's not how the body works so if you've ever seen this, I think it was circulating on Instagram like a couple years ago. She pops up in my feed every now and then, but it's this 75 year old bodybuilder who started lifting heavy weights when she was like in her late 60s or early 70s. So it's never too late to do anything is my point here. And the same goes for the pelvic floor. Same goes for pelvic floor work, conditioning, coordination, strengthening, flexibility, all of that good stuff. And we need all of it for a well-functioning pelvic floor and everybody has a pelvic floor for the most part and everybody should be conditioning it and I always say you can probably rattle off at least one exercise for your butt but have you ever torn your butt muscle probably not so why are we not approaching pelvic floor fitness the same way you shouldn't need a dysfunction or something quote wrong with your pelvic floor in order to start thinking about how to train it well so that it performs for you throughout your life just like your butt performs for you throughout your life 
And your pelvic floor, I feel like, is super important because we're literally peeing and pooping our entire freaking lives. And hopefully we're having sex our entire lives too. And all of those require good pelvic floor function, right? So on that note, I am going to sign off on today's episode. I hope it uh, was insightful and I hope if you were feeling kind of lost and alone, I hope you're feeling a little less so. Um, I'm going to drop my contact information below. As always, you can reach out to me. You can DM me on Instagram. You can email me. I'm also... I will do it. I'm going to drop the wait list for the next class for Finally Floored in the show notes as well. This is not opening until I'm predicting January. I still haven't figured out the schedule, but um, it's going to be sometime around January or February 2023 when the next cohort starts Finally Floored. So if you're not familiar with what that program is, really quick, it's a total body conditioning program 12 weeks long it's a virtual group fitness program that you can do on your own time there's an app where all your workouts are located and we literally start with the super basics of working your core and pelvic floor and then we build outward to encompass a total body experience unlike any other workout that you've ever done in your life and um Yeah, so I'm going to drop that the waitlist link in the show notes. If you're on there, you get $200 off the program plus first dibs on signups when the doors open and you actually get exclusive access to signups before I open it up to the rest of the world. So grab that if you're interested and that's all I got this week. So I'm super passionate about this. If this resonated with you or if you feel like someone in your life would benefit, please send them this episode. I want to normalize talking about the pelvic floor and really educate people with vaginas on what it is and exactly what's happening so that it feels a little bit less scary and you feel a lot more supported when you're navigating your body and your performance and your health, especially when it comes down to the pelvic floor. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today in this corner of the podcast world, and I'll see you next time on Finally Fearless.